Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I love reminding you that you're an overcomer. That's probably one of my favorite things to do as a pastor. I feel like I'm a cheerleader sometimes, cheering you on. Man, you're right there. You're crossing the line. You can do this. And, uh, you know, what better day to do that than Wednesday, right? You're halfway through. Whether you've had a great week or a bad week, we got to finish strong. I'm all about finishing. I, you know, I'm not so much about how you start something. It's important to start off on the right foot. But I can tell you what, if you, even if you had a bad start, you can still finish right. You can still finish well. I love what Paul said to Timothy. What did he say to Timothy? I have finished my race, right? I ran my course, right? He says, I'm going to receive a crown. I'm going to receive my reward. Well, how many of you know Paul didn't have a great start, did he? He had a pretty rough start, pretty challenging start. He's actually murdering Christians. He's actually putting them in prison, taking their heads off, taking, you know, making widows of wives and, and, and fatherless children. But amen, it's not about how you started. It's not about what Monday and Tuesday were like. It's not about what kind of day you had today. You still got Thursday and Friday left, and I'm going to encourage you tonight on Wednesday night, midweek Bible study at 7.09 p.m. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer, and you're going to finish well this week. Amen? Let's finish strong. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, if you will. Mark chapter 4. Before I get too carried away, it's just Wednesday, right? Look at your neighbor say, it's just Wednesday. Don't let him get all crazy like that. It's just Wednesday. We, we do that for the weekends. We save that stuff. <laughs> Mark chapter 4. We started last week in uh, a thought-provoking uh, topic and discussion. and we, we saw that, first off, the Lord... God himself, he has a value for honor. You could say it this way, he honors honor. Honor is, is mentioned throughout the word of God multiple times, and we discovered that God is due honor. God is due honor. It's not in question. It's not to be challenged or debated. He is due honor. It belongs to him, whether you like it or not. He's due honor. And there are certain things in our lives and in our world, whether we like it or not, that are due honor. Your parents are due honor. Your children are due honor. Your spouse is due honor. People in positions of authority are due honor. We give them honor regardless of who they are, their character, what we like about them, what we agree with. It doesn't matter. Honor is due. And I tell you what, if you get the honor principle down in your life, you'll see a lot of doors open up. You'll see favor go before you because God values honor. And in doing so, we saw that honor will cost you the greatest thing. It will cost you time. When you truly honor someone or something, it's not just lip service. It's not just something you say. It's not even just something you think about. It's something you invest time in, which is your most precious commodity, by the way. Right? Some of us will, will work harder today to have more time later. Time is our most precious commodity, right? Because you can't get it back. Once it's spent, it's gone. And so what we do with our time, how we value our time, how we treat our time, reveals what we honor. 
I know what you honor in your life, not by what you say, but by what you spend your time doing. Period. So you can't say, I honor my spouse, but she gets the bare end of the day and uh, your work has taken. No, you honor work. You honor hard work. You honor sacrificing your family for work. And I just tell you, life is, a life is there. you know, I, I used to get asked this question a lot. And it's probably something that we all think about at some point. How can I achieve balance in my life? How can I get balance? I, I, I just feel so like I'm way over on this end or way over on that. How can I get balance? Let me just tell you something. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as balance. Your life will always be out of balance in one way or another. It's about how you make up the difference. There's times, you know, as we get into uh, approaching our Easter season, um, you know, if you grade me over the next three weeks on being a dad, I might not make a great grade. I might get a C minus or an F plus. But if you grade me on being a pastor, I mean, you might give me an A plus. But you know what? On the back end of Easter, I'm not going to be pouring as much into, and I'll be investing more time. It's about how you make up for it. So if something is consistently being neglected in your life, you're not honoring it. If something is consistently being abandoned or overlooked, there's no honor there. Honor is always revealed by where you spend your time. And then we began to look at this concept as we were going through the word of God and we saw that a lot of times we place our value on God and God's word by what we hear because we know the importance of hearing, right? We know there is a value to hear the word of God. We know that faith, Romans 10 verse 17, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know that my faith uh, uh, is accessed and increased the more and more that I hear something. And so, you know, for me as a pastor, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people that I meet with, in fact, it's almost a prerequisite uh, for any counseling and any meetings that we do, is that there is a showing or revealing of being in church, and specifically in our church. That doesn't mean I won't counsel people that don't go to church. That doesn't mean I won't counsel people that don't go to our church. But what it means is my priority is going to be for my sheep, the people that God has called me to steward over and to care for and to oversee. So I don't counsel other people's sheep. I will tell you, you need to go see the pastor that you consider your overseer. Um, and if, if somebody is going through a trial, one of the first things I say is, man, we, we, we've missed you at church. Man, if you just get plugged in and get connected, you know, we tell people in our vision partnership meetings, our, our, our partnership, our, our, you know, those that want to attend, you know, do we offer counseling services? Absolutely we do. We'll, we'll, we'll counsel. We'll give you godly counsel. We'll meet with you. But you'll be surprised at how much counseling you won't need if you would actively participate in church. God will answer a lot of your problems right here in, in this seat. Anybody can attest to that. Yeah. I was going to meet with Pastor Mark about that when he answered my question on Sunday morning. It's happened. What I'm saying is, is we have a value for 
for, for hearing the word of God. And most of the individuals that I meet with are people that are hearing, that are, are actively participating. But then we're falling short in two areas. We're falling short in, either in the doing or the producing. We're falling short in either the doing, the applying of God's word, and how do we get that connection, or producing the fruit of God's word. Producing the fruit in my life. I'm in the services, I hear. I listen to the podcast. I read the Bible. I read material. I'm under the word, so to speak. And that's a great place to start. We all need that. That's the first place I'll point you to is, what is your hearing look like? What does your intake look like? You got to be under the word of God consistently. And not just in a church service, in your own personal lives, in the word of God. Develop a great habit of being in the word, studying the word. Uh, uh, you know, we, we at the beginning of every year hand out a Bible reading plan. It's the easiest thing. One of the first things I get asked when somebody wants to diligently be in the word is, where do I start? You start on that day. It's, it tells you exactly what to read, what three chapters or two chapters or, you know, whatever is assigned for that day. And that's designed to get you in the habit of being in the word, reading the Bible. Maybe for the first few weeks, you don't quite get it. Maybe for the first two, few weeks, it feels like you're just going through the motions. Well, you know, sometimes we start out doing things, going through the motions. Sometimes we start out and you have to build a desire for it, build an acclamation for it, and get accustomed to it being a part of your daily life. But I promise you that the more and more you're in the word, the more and more you'll have a desire for the word. I tell people I like to eat ice cream today because at one point in my life when I was a child, someone gave me ice cream. It's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. I like being in the word today because I started somewhere reading. Being in the word. And so we know that there's, there's an importance on hearing the word. But last week we were looking at these steps that a hearer ought to become a doer. Right? James chapter 1 verse 22 said uh, that we aren't supposed to be hearers only. But we're supposed to be doers of the word. Okay, so I know that the word that I'm receiving right now, the word that you're receiving, the word that you receive every Sunday, the, the, the word uh, that you receive when you're listening to a podcast, the word that you receive when you're reading a book, that it should eventually transfer over into you doing something different. If we're doing the same thing than we were before we heard, then we've missed a connection somewhere. And then ultimately we know this, that doers of the word ought to be producing fruit of the word, meaning that it should be producing something tangible, something evident in your life. The Lord gave me this today as I was kind of reading over this. He said, you're not an effective believer when you're blessed. You're an effective believer when you become a blessing. And man, that hit me. You're not an effective believer because you got God's favor and blessing apparently on your life. You are an effective believer when you can now give away what was given to you. You think about a tree. The whole goal is to produce fruit that is of no benefit to the tree. It's a benefit to everyone else, right? So the tree's not there to say, look at all this fruit I have. Don't touch. No, it's there to say, come receive, come draw, 
come pull, come obtain. This is what I've developed to, now I wanna give it away. So the, 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 the blessing and favor of the Lord being on your life is not an indicator of how effective you are as a believer. We thank God for that stuff. We thank God for the blessing of the Lord. We thank God that he makes prosperous, he makes rich, that he dwells within us, that, that there are things that being a part of the kingdom of God we have access to that we didn't have in the world. But the greatest indicator of an effective believer is what you're doing for others. That's, that's the producing side. So not just a hearer, not just a doer, but a producer. But then we saw that there's a missing link. There's a missing link that we don't talk a whole lot about in church. And it's this area that fits between what I hear and what I do. What I hear and what I do. And it was this thought of thinking, thinking on, thinking on the word. I hear the word, and for the most part, and even me, even myself, as I was studying this out and as the Lord was opening, he's like, man, that, that's the area that if I had to say out of the three what, what's missing, that's the one that I'm, I'm falling short in is how much time am I giving to thinking on? And then we went through the scripture, remember? I gave you, I think, seven occurrences in scripture where we had uh, people that heard the word. We started with Matthew chapter 13 and also found in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Four accounts where the word was sown. And in every single instance where the word was sown, Jesus says that's when the person hears the word. The one, the seed that falls by the wayside is a person that heard the word, but the enemy came and stole it. The one that got choked out was one that heard, received it immediately with joy, but the cares and, and trials of life because of the word came and choked out the word. And then you had the one where it was starting to take root, uh, 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 but, but it was neglected and abandoned, and it didn't bear fruit. But they heard the word. And then you have the fourth case where they heard the word, understood it, applied it, and they bared fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Then I took you to Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 through 27, where we see the, the parable of the wise man that built his house on a rock and the foolish man that built his house on the sand. In both cases, interestingly enough, it says that they heard the word. If anyone hears the word of mine and does what I say, he can be likened to a, 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 a wise man that built his house on the rock and the winds and the waves came and the storms blew and the rain beat on that house and it did not fall. But the one that heard the word and did not do Right? The foolish man built his house on the sand. Winds came. Storm blew. The only thing different in those two stories was the doing of the word. Both heard. Storms and trials and afflictions came to both houses. One stood, one fell. But both heard the word. I could take you to numerous accounts. I could take you to Moses when he was commanded of the Lord to, sp to, to uh, speak to a rock, not strike it. But he struck the rock, right? And then he, he, he doesn't even get access into Canaan land. Off of one simple little, he heard the word. He heard the word. He didn't do it. 
I could take you to King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. The prophet of Samuel comes to King Saul and says, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. So Saul goes out with his people. He uh, conquers the Amalekites, but he decides to keep some of the best stuff to sacrifice to the Lord later, right? We know that he was moved by the people, not moved by what God said, but he heard the word. I give you numerous cases of people that heard the word, but yet did not produce the results. And so we learned this, that hearing alone doesn't lead me to produce. Hearing alone doesn't lead me to produce. Hearing alone doesn't lead me to produce. Well, we, we've made a lot of effort in hearing. In fact, the Bible even tells us that in the last days, we will heap up for ourselves teachers. Well, guess what? If you have a heaping of teachers, you have a heaping of hearers. So it tells me in the last days, I'm not going to be lacking for people that are hearing something. But we will be lacking for people that are producing something. I won't be lacking for an access to knowledge. We have more access to it today than we ever have. We got more access through technology. Paul wishes he had this. Wishes he could do a Zoom call from the, 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 uh, you know, the Roman jail. Talk to the brethren real quick. They'll have to wait days and months and years to find out how the brethren are doing. That's how much he cared for those churches, man. He's in jail rotting away himself, wondering, is tomorrow my last day? And he's my daily concern for the churches, he says. Man, that, that's amazing. And he didn't have what we have today. You ever notice that sometimes an overabundance of something creates a lack of value for it as well? You ever notice that when we have too much of something, that we don't truly value it and, and love it the way we ought to. And that's going to happen in these last days. We'll have an overabundance of it. We'll have more access to it than ever before. We have more freedoms than ever before. No, when it's taken away, that's when you find out who really valued it in the first place. So Mark chapter 4, this is the end of the parable of the sower. Parable of the sower is found both in Mark 4 and Matthew 13. And in Mark 4, verse 24, I want to show this to you in the Amplified Version. In the, in the Amplified Version, this is what he says. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Man, that's loaded right there. You think in, in, in today's day and age, we need to be careful what we're hearing? You think, you, you think, See, the ease of access has also um, allowed us to open ourselves up to things we were never meant to digest or intake. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, as believers, you weren't designed to take in everything. You just, you just weren't. You weren't designed to, to, to swallow as much. Not, you know, in my own personal life, I have to be careful with certain things because it literally, the only emotion it evokes in my life is anger. I just downright get angry about it. And sometimes it's a righteous indignation. And sometimes it's just my flesh being angry. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. So I have to cut myself off. I've, I don't know how many times I've told people, hey, I, I just, I can't even get in that conversation. Because they'll ask me, though, what's your take on this? What yeah, I, I can't, I can't go there. Because I got, then you're 
Now I've got to operate in self-control, and you're just making me work up all kinds of fruit I don't want to work on right now. Patience and long-suffering and mercy and grace. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saved. I'm not that saved. I, you know, I'm still I'm being sanctified in some areas of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the only one honest enough to say it in here tonight, but that's okay. He said, be careful what you are hearing. This is what he says. The measure. Everyone say measure. The measure of thought and study. You give to the truth you hear. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. Will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. (laughs) And more besides will be given to you who what? Hear. He's talking to hearers. He's talking to hearers and he's saying, okay, so now that you've heard, I got another step for you. I got another level we need to go. If we're going to get back something, we've got to put in something, right? And he says what you put in is what you get back. Now, he does not say the measure of hearing you put in. He's talking about after you've heard the measure of thought and study. You give to the truth you hear will determine what you get back. So he's not talking about hearing. He's talking about the next step after hearing. Oh, we don't talk about this a whole lot, right? Because now this messes with my busy life. Pastor Mark, I did just everything I could just to even get to midweek Bible study on Wednesday night. Do you know how busy my life is? You want me to put thought and study to what I've heard when I just worked up everything I could just to hear? Yeah. This messes with our 2021 routines. This messes with our life coming and going, our microwave generation that we live in today, that we don't want to stick anything in the oven and work it and work it and work it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep overlooking it and over, or looking over it, not overlooking it, but looking over it, looking over it, looking over it. No, that, that doesn't jive with my schedule. Some of y'all, you know, here we are, first week of March, y'all were doing just good to to. Keep your New Year's resolution of being in the Word every day and getting up 30 minutes before you used to get up. Some of y'all just worked that one in. And now you're telling me I've got to give thought and study to what I hear. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's what we're saying. That's what the Bible says. Come on, y'all know me. I'm real enough. We're not compromising it. We're not watering down. I'm just giving to you what the scripture says. Look at what he says in verse 25. If you don't think there's a consequence for it, if you think you can shortcut this system and get from hearing to doing your way, he says, well, for him to have, for to him who has, more will be given. And from him who has nothing, even what he has, will be taken away by force. So in case you're just contemplating there, okay, well, you know, how much thought and study? 
The question is, how much do you want out of him? That's the question. I've learned this about anything in life. Whatever you want out of it is what you have to put into it. I don't care if it's diet, if it's working out, if it's a relationship, if it's a job, if it's starting a business, if it's investing finances. What you want out of it is all dependent on what you put into it. And we live in a day and age where we've been lied to and we've been told we can put in little and still expect much. With as little investment as possible, with as little responsibility as possible, with as little of, of me as possible. And I can still expect God's word to work for me. I can still call down God's blessings upon my life. I can still, I, I can still expect to speak God's word, uh, uh, you know, in the moment, and it will go to work on my, But I haven't been focused on it. I haven't been given it thought or study. I haven't been reflecting on it. I haven't been looking over it. Come on, this is real. What is our expectation of what God's word can do? And have you been meeting the requirements of that expectation? Right? I mean, you know, if you go, if you were to go get a personal trainer and you go to him with a goal in mind, you want to lose weight, you want to strengthen, you want to build this, you want to develop this, whatever that is, you're going to set the goal. The first thing the personal trainer is going to keep you to is what are you doing to meet the goal. It's not on the personal trainer to meet your goal for you. They'll help guide you and lead you. But they're going to be saying, what have you been eating this week? Have you been doing this stuff at home? Have you been changing this? Have you been changing that? Well, I haven't seen you in three weeks. You can't go to the personal trainer and say, I want all my money back. You failed me. You lied to me. No. What level of value have you maintain? What level of personal responsibility have you kept up? We got to be careful when we make a demand on God's word that exceeds our personal investment into it. We have to be careful when we make a demand on God's word that exceeds our personal investment into it. So he says right here, after you've heard, and y'all remember what he said about the parable of the sower, right? He said, The principles found in this parable need to be applied to everything else I say. (laughs) So he's covering the the basics right here. He's saying, man, if you're spending time hearing, but not giving the extra thought and attention and study and focus and reflection to it, then your results are not going to align with your expectation. Your results aren't going to align with your expectation. So what you put in is what you get out. This is the key. The degree of importance we place on the word. The degree of importance we place on the word. Determines both the quality and quantity of the fruit produced. The degree of importance we place on the word determines both the quality and quantity of the fruit produced. The degree of importance we place on the word determines both the quality and quantity of the fruit produced. 
Let's look at a few of these uh, passages that kind of reinforce this. Psalms chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Amen. I don't know about you. I want to I put in and I want to do all that, I, that is necessary for me to yield the results that I know God's word can yield in my life. God's word is valid. God word, God's word is powerful. God's word is transforming. God's word can absolutely, absolutely put you on a whole new course. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But... If I'm not working the word, then the word won't work for me. If I'm not working the word, then the word won't work for me. What does this mean? Verse 1, reading out of the New Living, he says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. It's interesting to me that he starts off with what they aren't doing. It's interesting that he starts off with what they are abandoning, what they're disassociating with, what they're leaving behind, what they're neglecting. He starts off with the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. They do not stand around with sinners. and They do not join in with mockers. Verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, underline it, meditating on it day and night. Meditating on it. Day and night. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Verse 3, they are like trees planted. Everyone say planted. Planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. What did we just say uh, out of Mark chapter 4? That the degree of importance that I place on the word determines both the quality and the quantity of the fruit produced. And here we have yet another correlation that if I meditate on it, he says, day and night, those are like trees planted, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. He says they prosper in all they do. I don't know about you. I want everything I do to prosper. I want everything I do to succeed. I want everything that I put my hand to to prosper just as this word says. That's the result. That's the desired outcome. And to get there, he says, don't just hear it. He says, meditate. And then he even quantifies it day and night. Day and night. Look at Psalms 1 verse 2 in the Amplified. We'll have it up here on the screen for you. Psalms verse 2, chapter 1. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. Look at this. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. I love that. He habitually meditates. We said last week, we're not a product of what we do occasionally. We're a product of what we do consistently. You're not a product of what you do every now and then. 
when I get around to it, if I have time. No, you're a product of what you honor. You're a product of what you do habitually. You're a product of what you put your time into consistently, when you're using effort. He says he habitually ponders and studies. Let's define this word meditate. Let's define this word meditate. I'm going to give you the Hebrew definition, and then we'll give you the, the English definition. In the word of God, this word meditate, which we'll get to it in just a second. The first time this word meditate is even found is in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. We'll get there. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, first time it's found. It means this. It means to murmur. The implication is to ponder. Imagine, mutter, speak, study, talk, and utter. Imagine, mutter, speak, study, talk, and utter. In the English language, it means this, to engage in thought or contemplation. To engage in thought or contemplation. It means to reflect. To reflect. To engage in thought or contemplation. To reflect. And lastly, to consider as something to be done. To consider as something to be done. This is what the word meditate means. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about. When, when we say last week, we called it think time. How much time are you spending in thought? Not just how much time are you spending hearing it. How much time are you spending thinking about it, reflecting upon it, contemplating it? I love it even uses the word imagine. That's what I tell a lot of people. Imagine yourself healed. Imagine your marriage renewed. Imagine your body whole. Imagine you're fine. See it. You know what imagination is? Is it seeing it in your spirit before you ever see it in your life. That's called faith. That's what faith is. Faith, believing in what you cannot see. The way I define faith is believing in what has not yet been made visible. Not yet, because if I stand by faith, it will show up. Faith doesn't create something. Faith moves something from heaven to earth you don't need you don't need God to create healing for you he's already done it you need to move it from a heavenly realm invisible to a physical realm in your body right now instantly you need it moved faith does that faith accesses it and brings it down and faith imagines it or sees it as completed the check is in the mail you call me and tell me, oh, hey, I put the check in the mail. I'm not doubting you. I'm not, I wonder if you ever did it. I'm not calling you the next day. Did you really do it? Kyle, did you really put it in the mail? You said you, he put it in the mail. I don't see it right now, but I know it's mine. I know it belongs to me, and it's just in transit. It's on its way. And I'm going to stand in faith believing that it's coming. Well, that's what meditation is. Meditation is reflecting upon, contemplating, thinking over, re- over and over and over. The, 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 the uh, implication that they use out of the word of God is like a cow that chews on its food over and over. In fact, some people define meditating on the word as chewing on. But I also love that he includes in the definition speaking and uttering. 
So meditation is not just reading it and rereading it and rereading it or thinking on it, thinking on it. It also has an element of me speaking it and saying it, even if it's under my breath, even if I'm just muttering it under my breath. It's now taken over my thought. It's taken over my mouth. It's taken over my heart. The word of God should consume all those aspects. The word of God is not something that's just meant to be heard and then we strive to apply. It's something that's reflected on, thought about, kept in front of you, and then you begin to speak it yourself. You begin to say it yourself. Amen. To meditate. To ponder. To think on. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6. says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Just catching you up, God's speaking to Joshua. Moses has passed on. He's raised up Joshua as the new leader. And he says, this new generation of Israelites that doesn't know Egypt and doesn't know their past and doesn't know slavery, three days you're taking them in. We're taking Canaan land just like I told you. This is your land. It still belongs to you. Even though a generation had to die off for us to get to someone that could go in, we're taking in. We're, we're taking them in and you're leading them. Tag, you're in. And in verse 6, he says, be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I have promise I swore to their fathers verse 7 only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left here it is that you may prosper wherever you go what's the end result that we prosper that we overcome that we receive God's desired result for our life He said, this is our land. We're supposed to go in and take it. That's the desired result. How do we get there? He says, be strong, be courageous, only be strong, only be very courageous. And then he goes on to say, and observe to do uh, according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And he says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. In other words, you could say, don't get distracted. Keep your head on, straight, looking, focused, end goal, end result. Here's what my word said. Don't go to the left, don't go to the right. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go now when he said verse 9 have I not commanded you and he just told them in the previous verse to meditate on my word day and night well guess what just got applied to meditate on my word day and night have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage 
Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you know what you know now what Joshua and the Israelites can be doing as, as they're marching forward and as they're preparing their weapons? I'm going to be strong. I can be very courageous. For the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. The Lord is with me. Every step I take belongs to me. This is my land. He swore it to my forefathers. And they were just, they were adding that to their meditation. When he said, have I not commanded you, instantly it became a part of what ought to be meditated upon, thought upon, reflected upon, pondered upon, imagined, seeing it. And now they're saying it, they're uttering it, they're muttering it, even under their breath throughout their day as they're preparing and they're getting ready. I, the, for the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. This is our land. Every, every place the sole of my foot treads belongs to me. The Lord promised it to my forefathers. We're going to go in. I am only strong. I am only courageous. It's now becoming a part of them. And he uses the same word in verse 8. You shall meditate in it. And notice we have the same quantity, the same time lapse, if you will, that we saw in Psalms, day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right. He tells them three times in three verses, have I not commanded you, be strong, be of good courage. You think he's trying to get something across? Day and night, they're supposed to be pondering this, reflecting upon this, contemplating this, imagining this, muttering this, speaking this, saying this, studying this, along with the law. Along with the word of God. Day and night. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right. See, this is the thing. And this goes back to Matthew chapter 7. Whatever you are built on determines what you can endure through. Whatever you are built on determines what you can endure through. Built on the rock, a hearer and a doer. It's like a wise man that builds his house on the rock and the floods and the winds come, rains come, beat on the house, and it stays. If you go back to Numbers chapter 13, you'll find a group of people, these guys' parents, I don't even know if that was correct English, that sounded real, these guys, these guys' parents, in Numbers 13, they heard the word. As slaves, they knew this word. Back in Egypt, they knew this word. One day, a deliverer's coming. One day, we're coming up out of slavery. One day, we're going to be going into Canaan land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They even got to see it. Twelve spies got to go in in Numbers chapter 13. Ten of them come back with a good report and a bad report. Joshua and Caleb only came back with a good report. Joshua and Caleb didn't deny the bad, but one, two of the people out of the group meditated on it day and night and did not turn to the left or to the right. The other ten got distracted. The other 10, they saw the grapes. They also saw the giants. They turned to the left and to the right. It surely does flow with milk and honey, just as God promised. But its walls are great. 
its enemies are scattered. It's far too great of a land for us to overcome and accumulate. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes. Tell me meditation doesn't affect your life. Oh, they heard. Oh, they saw. Oh, they saw the miracles. Oh, they saw the signs and wonders. Oh, they saw the great, vast land that God had for them. You think if God shows you your miracle, you'll automatically walk into it. Not if you don't meditate on it. You'll see a miracle that will swallow you up. You'll see everything that's wrong with it rather than what's right with it. You'll see something that's trying to take you out rather than something that you're supposed to take out. Y'all with me? Meditation is key. He's telling this group, do not turn. Why would he tell them, do not turn? Because there will be temptation to turn. There will be temptation to go to the left and go to the right. You will see things that will make you question. That's why I'm telling you, be strong and be courageous and stand your ground and meditate on it day and night. Do not let go of it because the second you let go, any little instance, any little opening you give to the enemy, he will take it. This marriage is never going to work. I'm never going to get my healing. I'm never going to see prosperity. I'm never going to have my family restored. I'm... And you just get that little opening. You go to the left, you go to the right. This tells me that meditation doesn't come off. Meditation stays on day and night. Day and night. That means I wait. And look, every morning you'll have to wake up and you'll have to renew your meditation. Do not try to get through today on yesterday's meditation. He says day and night, that means when the day comes back around, do it again. And when this day comes back around, you do it again. How long do I do it, Pastor Mark? Until you see the result. Until it shows up. There's no expiration date. The expiration is when you receive the blessing that God has called for you. And then you move on to the next battle. Jericho was just the first battle. Then there's Ai. And if you let your guard down for one second, the enemy will slip in. He'll distract you, get you going to the left, get you going to the right. You take a day off. No, you got to stand your ground with this stuff. Here's the key about meditation. Meditation is not for the purpose of getting the word in you. Better hear me now. Meditation is not for the purpose of getting the word in you. Meditation is for the purpose of getting the word out of you. Hearing gets the word in you. And then what you do with it determines what it does for you. What you do with the word determines what the word does for you. You know, I've always used, you know, with like, you know, planting a seed. Okay, so you plant the seed. What do you do? You neglect it, abandon it, walk away, and then hopefully come back in six months and it's produced a harvest? We all know that's not true. We live close enough to farms around here. We know that's not how it works. What do you got to do? You got to water the seed. The sun's got to get to the seed. You got to have the right. Soil, right? That's all meditation. But think about it. 
that's not to help the seed go deeper down into the soil. You put the word where you want it to be. David said, I have hid your word in my heart. I put it there. I have treasured your word in my heart, he says in Psalms 119. I've treasured your word. I've put it in my heart. Yes, you. Hearing gets the seed in. Meditation gets the fruit out. Gets it to produce. So what we do, we come. We come to our services. We go to the revivals. We, 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 we listen to the podcast. And then we let it go. And the ground dries up. We're not putting any water on it. We're not making sure it's getting proper sunlight. And then we wonder why in six months it's shriveled up and dead. Or nothing's broke through the ground. Or I was starting to see something. You know where most people usually give up? Where they start seeing something. Yeah. Yeah. People will come to our church broken, messed up, destroyed, devastated. They'll come for six weeks. Man, their marriage is doing great. They're feeling good. They're more lively. And then they disappear. And then six months, a year, two years, they pop back in. Back in the state they were when they came the first time. Hello? They, were, they, they gave up just when it was getting good. They saw a little bit break through the ground there, and they said, man, we got this thing. I don't need that anymore. No meditation. Measure of thought and study you give determines the virtue and knowledge that you receive back. What you put in is what you get out, and you have to keep putting in, and you have to keep putting in, and you have to keep giving attention, you have to keep giving attention, and you have to keep reflecting on, and you have to keep contemplating, and you have to keep imagining, and you have to keep uttering, and you have to keep saying, and you have to keep telling yourself good days and bad days. And when you're at the highs and when you're at the lows, you stay with it. Meditate on the word day and night, he says. Look at a few more. Psalms 119, verse 97. Psalms 119, verse 97. Reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Now, I I get asked sometimes, does that mean that I have to read the Bible all day long? Well, let me just stop you right there. Would that be a bad thing? Would there be something wrong with that? Oh, how I love your instruction is my meditation all day long. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. Always with me, he says. He doesn't say, oh, that one time you spoke that word. He says, I'm still there. It's as if you spoke it yesterday. It's always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. 
kind of shotgunning these last few. Colossians 3 and verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Verse 2, set your mind. That's your thinking. He's talking about the thinking component of your life. Now he's talking about the thinking element. What's the thought process? Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Notice that being in a new kingdom means I have to set my mind on new things. Oh, how dangerous it is when we come into a new kingdom with a new nature, but we still have our mind set on the old kingdom and the old nature. And what happens? You're not producing the fruit of the new kingdom because until you change your thinking, you won't change your living. Your life is steered by your thoughts. Steered by the direction of your thoughts. Steered by what you set your mind on. Steered by what you think on, contemplate, reflect upon. That steers your life, he says. Set your mind on things above. Doesn't say set your ear on it, set your eye on it, set your life on it. He says set your mind. And notice, it's our responsibility to set our mind. You set your mind. You know, I can't do that for you. Jesus couldn't even do it for the Pharisees. Jesus couldn't set their minds for them. He had to give the word, and it was up to them whether they gave attention to it and focused on it and reflected upon it and contemplated it and stuttered or uttered it and, and, and said it and imagined it and bought into it. Look at this in the Amplified, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 in the Amplified. Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above. He says, keep seeking. This is continual. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Watch this. Set your mind and keep focused habitually. There's that word again. On the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which only have temporal values. Last one I want to give you, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We'll talk about guarding our hearts and minds later on in this series, because that's, that, that's a big one. We don't set up guards. That's the reason why we're not thinking. There's nobody standing guard saying, you don't have access in here. This is Mark's mind, and, and you're not allowed. Keep out. You've got to set up guards. That's what that means. We'll talk about that. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. One translation says, think on these. Well, dwell on, think on. That means, think about where you dwell versus where you visit. There's a difference. There's a difference. You don't dwell where you visit and you don't visit where you dwell. 
So the same thing. Are you visiting or are you dwelling? Think on. And in the Amplified, this is what it says. Finally, believers, verse 8 in the Amplified, whatever is true, honorable, worthy of respect, right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good uh, good repute, about to say report. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Watch this. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Center your mind. You think he's trying to get a point across about focus? You think he's trying to get a point across about where you set your mind? You think he's trying to get a point across of how much attention it gets? Typically, we attend to what we care about. If you care about it, you give it attention. Attention is an indicator of care or the lack thereof. Ah, I don't care. And it's not getting your attention. It's not getting your focus. But man, I mean, when you, when you see someone giving deliberate care to something, deliberate attention to something, you know it's valuable to them. You know it's, it, it's, there's honor there. What you do with the word determines what the word will do for you. We've got to get this component of thinking. We've got to get this component of meditating. We've got to get this element of think time, thought, and study. Oh, that sounds complicated. No, it doesn't. You think on stuff all the time. Oh, yes, you do. You think on things. There are things that inhabit your mind, whether you've given them permission or not. They consume you. And we're going to discover how to be consumed by the word so that life doesn't consume us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.